You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 65. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 65. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, master certified life coach, teacher, and recovering supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, supermoms. How are you doing? I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying healthy and sane. The two big tasks of this time of our lives is to stay healthy and sane. We just got the announcement here in California that all schools will be closed throughout the end of the year. So uh, my college student is home for six months until September. And my high schooler is not going back until August. She's going to be doing some things at home here. But, you know, it's a really trying and interesting time. So some people are celebrating and loving it, this coronavirus quarantine. And their lives have gotten easier and simpler and more relaxing and peaceful. And other people are having a really hard time. And not to mention, of course, like illnesses and fears, but just with like the kids being around and being trapped in the house and trying to work from home and homeschooling and all this, you know, social distancing. It's just hard for a lot of people. There's a lot of disappointments. And it kind of keeps unraveling. (laughs) It's kind of like these different stages, one thing at a time. I'll talk to a client one week and they're like, yeah, everything was great. And then the next week it's like, oh, everything's terrible. So we just got to be really gentle and patient with ourselves during this time. And so I'm doing a lot of free things. I'm doing a well, by the time this airs, I guess it will be passed. So maybe I'll do another one. I'm just doing a free coaching call. Anybody wants free coaching, come to the call. I'm doing a webinar on how to stop yelling at your children. <laughs> Thought maybe that would be timely. So it's, well, here's your, your a spoiler alert, how to stop yelling. It all comes down to guilt. So if you ever feel guilty for yelling at your kids, please join my free webinar That will be on the 16th of this month, April. And then I'm going to be doing the super mom challenge after that, because I thought, oh gosh, with all the craziness going on, like we need more than ever before, moms need to turn inward and to listen to what's going on for them. What do I need? What am I yearning for? What am I missing? Because it's so easy when your house is full of children and you know, spouses and like, there's a lot of chaos and commotion going on. It's really easy to get into the habit of ignoring yourself. So we're going to do the super mom challenge starting April 20th. So make sure you're signed up for my newsletter at lifecoachingforparents.com. Make sure you've joined the Facebook group. Super mom is getting tired and uh, I will see you there. All this free stuff and tell your friends because like this is really a difficult time. A lot of people are struggling and not maybe me not admitting it. So please, if you find this, any of these podcasts valuable, please share them with all the mommies that you know, mom groups, you know, your social media pages, whatever, because we just don't really always know what's going on behind closed doors. So today we're going to talk about 
watching your child be sad. And really, this is a good episode for anybody who's living with somebody who's stressed out, depressed, sad, disappointed that this whole coronavirus has come into their lives and really pulled the rug out from underneath them. Um, People who are experiencing any kind of like job loss, economic impact, let alone like kids just being disappointed at you know, missing their baseball season and their friends and things like that. So if you're living with somebody who's kind of in the dumps, then this is a good episode for you. So I will read the question and it says, I feel so bad for my high school senior. We just found out that there will be no school for the rest of the year. She had so many things to look forward to dance recitals, prom, graduation, and all the parties and celebrations surrounding the end of year. My daughter has worked so hard throughout high school only to have it end so abruptly. She didn't get to say goodbye or mentally prepare to never see her friends or teachers again. It The first week home was fine. It was great. She needed the rest and she seemed to enjoy the break. But now she's lost all motivation. Even when she has the opportunity to connect with friends online, dance, or work on school projects, she just does the minimum. You know, she's grumpy. She's laying around in her sweats, moving from the bed to the kitchen to the couch. And I just feel so bad for her. I'm still exercising, going outside, working from home. I actually would say my social life has improved since now I have more time to connect with my friends that I didn't see on a regular basis. How can I help my disappointed unmotivated teen feel better? Well, my parent education answer is like, let's just take the coronavirus and set it aside for a minute. If we just take a look at what's developmentally normal for 17 to 18 year olds, what we typically find that's normal is a fundamental shift in identity. You'll hear parents talk about the dramatic changes their teenagers make during these years. Like the person they are as a junior is not the person they're going to be when they're a senior or a freshman in college. This is a fast track to transformation, especially when it comes to maturity, responsibility, confidence, and like social acceptance and their ability to relate to peers or other adults. So most of us go through about four to six major transitions in our lifetime or really it's more of a transformation, like not just like a season of life, but a fundamental change in who you are and how you see yourself. The senior year of high school to the first year of college is very often the first major transformation for a lot of us. We're letting go of the old self, the child who lives at home and follows rules that somebody else has set for them. That person is gone and never to return. This transformation into being this responsible adult that decides what she wants to do and takes care of her own needs, well, this transformation is not always pretty and nor easy. It's not uncommon to hear parents complain about their teens crapping in the nest before they leave it or struggling so much that first year of college that they just end up coming home. Like it's just too hard. It's a difficult transition. Because we've been through a few transitions already, we as parents have already been through this, 
we know that there's a great and exciting life on the other side of the transformation. But your kids might not realize that. All they know is they feel like crap and nothing's working. So think of it like a caterpillar transitioning into a butterfly. All through childhood, your baby is becoming a bigger, fatter, smarter caterpillar. Changing, for sure, but fundamentally the same species, a child. At some point, usually during the end of adolescence, your caterpillar starts to change. The first step in this transformation is the building of a cocoon. This helps them feel safe enough to fall apart to dissolve the old self. If you break open a cocoon, what you'll find is a liquid. I mean, it's just like caterpillar soup. (laughs) That old self needs to completely dissolve in order to rebuild into a newly formed adult. So what you might be witnessing is your daughter dissolving. She's dissolving the old self, the person that she was. And yes, it totally sucks to have to dissolve it at a time when you weren't ready. You weren't anticipating this. You expected to be dissolving sometime between June and next December, maybe. So it's really hard to then all of a sudden just feel like, okay, my old self is dead And I have no new self to go to. Like, that's a really yucky state to be. In Finding Your Own North Star, Martha Beck identifies the predictable stages that we all grow through when we're transforming from our old self to our new self. And the first stage, the square one, is falling apart. It's a dissolving of the old identity. Sometimes this happens slowly over time, where we gradually outgrow our old life. People outgrow careers and marriages. We get nine months to grow into our new identity as mom. But even then, there's a lot of falling apart that happens that first year after we have a baby. That no matter how much kind of preparing we are doing, it still is a major transformation in who we are in the role that we're playing. So sometimes we get to gradually grow out of this. We get a lot of time and preparation. Other times we get thrown into square one with no warning at all. A death in the family, a diagnosis, a global pandemic. Your daughter has been thrown into square one without her consent. Her identity has been stripped away. The only choice she has is to let go of the old self, to say goodbye to the high school student, the dancer, the friends and acquaintances she will no longer see on a daily basis. Many of us fight and cling to hold on to the old ways because the the new ways are vague, uncertain, and confusing. You know, you, you might see a lot of high schoolers right now, like really trying to hold on to the old friendships and trying to stay involved with the school. And but it's just it's not the same. And it's a tough, tough transition. The fastest way to move through square one with all this falling apart is smack dab right through the middle of it to feel all the feels to mourn and grieve and be sad to swear and complain and lay around in your PJs, like to be angry, to be sad, to, you know, the the stages of grief, bargaining, acceptance, you know, all that. 
the mantra that Martha Beck offers, it always seems to help, is I don't know what the hell is going on and that's okay. In fact, you know you're in square one if that sentence feels good to you. Like, I don't know what the hell is happening and that's okay. It's okay that I don't know. That's where the compassion comes in and with compassion, we can fall apart and let ourselves grieve. The caterpillar doesn't know why it feels the way it feels, why it suddenly doesn't want to eat anymore, why it's making a cocoon. It's just following its instincts. Eventually, the grief, the anger, disappointment will pass, and your daughter will move on to square two, which is dreaming about what's next. So square two, called dreaming and scheming. The caterpillar has these imago cells, an image of the butterfly that it's meant to become. I believe we also have things imprinted in us, talents, interests, proclivities. We're meant to explore. We have places that we're meant to visit and experiences that we're meant to have. You'll know your daughter is entering square two when she starts redecorating her room, changing her hair, her clothes, or somehow trying on a new identity. When she says things like, I think I might join a sorority or try out for this club in college, or I applied for a job at such and such a place, (laughs) then you'll know that square two is here. And square two feels so much better than square one, but we can't really rush through it, you know? And the mantra for square two is there are no rules and that's okay. So you can imagine there's a lot of college students out there freshman year who are, some of them are freaking out because there are no rules. And that's a really difficult situation for them to be in for the first time in their life. And then there's other kids who are, there are no rules and that's great. Like, I love this. This is really exciting and fun and I get to do whatever I want. But both square one and square two are really internal changes. That as a mom, you're not gonna see much happening on the outside. But there's so much going on on the inside that's really important. Square three is the hero saga. This is the hard work that we must do in order to feel grounded in our new identity. In our caterpillar metaphor, this is the becoming of the butterfly. Once it's formed, the butterfly needs to push and kick and struggle to break free of the cocoon. If you were to come along and help free the butterfly, it would die. It would not make it that the struggle is an important part of becoming a fully formed and healthy butterfly. This is what parents get to see when their kids are away at college, when they're having roommate problems and they're crying and they're lonely and they overslept and missed their test. (laughs) The struggle for an adolescent entering an adulthood can look like all sorts of things, you know, Washing a load of laundry with strawberry chapstick, getting a flat tire, like missing a deadline, like so many things. And so the mantra to help us get through square three for the kids is this is harder than I thought it was going to be. And that's okay. So post this mantra near your phone during your daughter's first year of college, because it will be very helpful that it's okay that it's harder than I thought than you thought. That's supposed to be hard. This is the struggle. And we as moms, we cannot help them because it's just 
doesn't work. <laughs> you could try. It just doesn't help them much because they need to struggle and figure things out on their own in order to become that beautiful called a butterfly, that beautiful adult. And then the last stage of this change cycle is the promised land, the fully formed butterfly, the responsible adult. There's still minor things to learn and adjust to, but you feel pretty solid in your identity. You no longer need your parents in the same way. You trust yourself to handle new and difficult situations. So the answer to the question, how can I help my daughter feel better? is really just to be a compassionate witness. And there have been times in my life where I've had to repeat that to myself. (laughs) Just compassionate witness, compassionate witness. That's all I need to do is to be a witness to her suffering or pain. Allow your daughter to feel as terrible as she needs to feel. Use emotion words, reflect back what you think she's feeling and thinking. Like you can say, God, yes, it's so disappointing. This quarantine is scary and frustrating. It just sucks. Like you just, you don't really use a lot of words when you're feeling compassion. You kind of just sit there and you listen and you reflect back like, yeah, mm mm-hmm totally sucks. (laughs) So if you catch yourself using a lot of words, you're probably not in compassion. You can mirror her body language and her voice tone. Like if she's like, oh, mom, I'm so depressed. You're not gonna be like, well, I think it's time we just bake some cookies and let's feel better. (laughs) You don't want to contrast because she's going to feel like you don't get it. You don't understand. So if she's really slow, then you want to be slow. If she's, you know, saying like, it's not that big of a deal and she's fine, then you can mirror that and say like, okay, well, some people are thinking it's a big deal. Some people are really disappointed, and but it's not a big deal for you. That's okay. You just kind of mirror what you hear her say. So you want to show compassion, mirror her language, her voice tone, her body posture, but don't fall down the well with her. So my life coaching answer of what gets in our way is what I call falling down the well. It is hard to watch our kids suffer and not be able to do anything about it. We have this really kind of strange cultural belief that says my job as mom is to make sure my kid doesn't suffer. We think suffering is bad and a good mom should be able to prevent their child from experiencing too much negative emotion. When we think this way, we feel helpless and a bit of a failure too. Nobody likes feeling helpless. So what do we do? We jump in and we try to help them by either telling them what they should do to feel better or feeling bad right along with them in solidarity. So these are the two ways we try to help that doesn't actually help. When we see someone that we love who's suffering, sometimes... We jump down the well with them. Our kid is falling down a well of despair and we sit on the bottom with them and commiserate. Sometimes we sit on the bottom of the well and we tell them what they need to do to climb out. (laughs) Uh, Just you guys know people that do this, right? Like you're having a bad day and they either like tell you what you need to do or they almost feel like worse than you do. Like, oh, no. 
no, that's terrible. They kind of make a bigger deal of it. You know what that feels like. It does not feel good to you, right? So when we try to feel bad with them, I mean, it's coming from a good place. Like we want them to feel like they're not alone and that we get it. I used to do this with my husband. So he would come home from work complaining about how stressful his day was. And I would scan throughout my day and find the most stressful parts and then share them with him so that he would feel supported. Nice idea, but it doesn't work because he wants to come home to a peaceful, happy house. He wants to be the one to have the stressful day. He doesn't want to come home and hear me gripe. Like the reason he's working so hard in the first place is so that he could provide a happy house for his family, like a happy wife, a peaceful home, you know, happy children who are taken care of. Like it was so counter to what he actually wanted, but I thought I was being a good wife because women, we tend to commiserate, you know, when someone else is having a bad day, you're like, yeah, I've had a bad day too. And we'll like find something that's a match and it helps that person feel supported. But when he would come home stressed to find me equally as stressed, it made him feel worse. He's like, what am I doing this all for? What's the point? So when moms feel as bad, if not more devastated than their teens, it doesn't make the teen feel supported. Your teen doesn't want a mom who's suffering. This is her pain. It's her suffering. You don't have to be happy that your daughter has fallen down a well of despair, but you can still enjoy the beautiful sunshine. You can stand above the well on the ground. You're like, oh, it's lovely up here. Would you like me to throw you a rope? Do you want me to show you how to pressure climb your way out of the well? Like, I'm here to help you if you want it, but I'm just going to stand up here on the ground and enjoy this beautiful day. You can still be compassionate and saying like, yeah, that totally sucks. And I'm sorry your senior year got ripped away from you. But live your life with joy and optimism for yourself and for her future. It feels awkward to be happy when your child is suffering. And you don't have to be happy about her suffering, but you can help her find purpose and meaning in it if you're not at the bottom of the well with her. I always say, like, when you can't be happy, making meaning is the next best thing. So inside your head, believe that this experience will make her more compassionate to others who have suffered, more resilient to future upsets, more adaptable to handle this now an uncertain and ever-changing world. Like the skills that she's building right now of learning how to have all your expectations pulled away from you. <laughs> it's terrible, but it's going to make her stronger and better capable, better able to handle these upsets in the future. When a mom shows compassion and believes that good things will come from this bad experience, it provides a safe harbor from the stormy seas. Your teenager may not be ready to move through square one as quickly as you would like her to, but when she is ready, she will know where to go to find a safe, happy, and peaceful harbor because you are not troubled. You are not stressed. You have confidence that this is going to lead her into a bigger, better, more beautiful life experience. Today's Supermom Kryptonite 
I kind of mentioned it on the end of the last call. That last call I did was a coaching session with a mom. And I happened to mention this idea of make sure you're not imprisoning yourself mentally. Don't keep yourself locked in a mental prison. And I thought during this shelter in place quarantine stuff, it is especially important not to feel trapped or stuck, but it is something that a lot of us do. I remember I used to do this to myself when my kids were little, especially in the summertime. I would think things like, I can't leave the house. I have to stay here. I can't do what I want. These thoughts created the feeling of helplessness and powerlessness in me. Well, just like in that question above, about how do I help my senior? Thoughts like I should be able to help my daughter and I can't. I should, I want her to feel better and she isn't. She shouldn't have to deal with this and she is. Those thoughts create a helpless or powerless feeling. And humans are meant to be free. When we believe we are powerless, it does terrible things to the human psyche. It is so much better for our psychological and emotional well-being to think, I can leave the house, but I choose not to because I love my family and I appreciate my good health. I want to stay home because I prefer it to the potential consequences of walking out of the home. So if you've got a depressed, anxious, stressed, or disappointed person living in your house, you are not powerless. You don't have to feel what they are feeling. You can feel peaceful, happy, grateful, or whatever you want to feel, even if no one else feels the same. You can leave the house. You don't have to shelter in place. You just might choose to because you care about our healthcare workers and the hospitals and you want to flatten the curve. And so just remember to use words like I choose to, I want to, or at least I will, rather than the I have to, I need to, I can't, and all those kind of imprisoning words that make you feel powerless. Today's super mom power boost. Well, I wonder if you are ready for an upgrade. So the other night at the dinner table, we've been having a lot more family dinners now that there are no sports going on after school and evenings. So one of my kids asked what the difference was between a 1.2 software update and a 2.0 software upgrade. And of course, I had no idea. So my husband explained that a small software update, the kind that adds numbers after the decimal, like 1.2, 1.5 or whatever, it means it's like small improvements, bug fixes, minor enhancements. A larger software upgrade means to improve something to a higher standard. It provides significant changes and major improvements. It's really an entirely new version of the same software program. As we grow up, we're constantly updating, making little tweaks here and there, minor enhancements. But a handful of times in our life, we go through a major version upgrade. <laughs> so Martha Beck talks about this in terms of our identity, letting go of the old self to make room for the new self. For many of us, this coronavirus has created too many bugs in our software. For high school seniors, 
athletes who play spring sports, parents who have lost their jobs, suffered economic blows, this coronavirus might require a major version upgrade. For kids and parents who are loving this quarantine and don't want to go back to their commute, their old job, their old way of doing their job, they might be ready for a major upgrade too. So today's Supermom Power Boost is to talk to your friends, your teens, your spouse, your parents about how many upgrades they've gone through in their life. You know, sit around the dinner table with your kids and let your kids hear about all of these transformations and these new versions of you that you've had to go through. Because chances are they haven't ever had to upgrade before. They've just done these little minor tweaks, eliminated some bugs, but they haven't done a major transformation unless they're somewhere in the upper adolescent years. So... My husband was said that because he moved countries, states, cities, and schools multiple times before the age of 10, he thinks he's up to like version 9.0. He had a lot of major transformations, his parents' divorce, like in, in his identity and who he was fundamentally. He went through a lot of major changes at a very young age and then kind of stabilized and slowed down once he got older. What I thought, I had a pretty stable childhood, so my first upgrade didn't come until I was 20 years old and moved out of the house for the first time. So living on my own, I definitely transitioned. Getting married, becoming a mom, overcoming anxiety and learning to not live in fear was a major transformation in the way I lived my life. Uh, Becoming a life coach and an entrepreneur and having to figure all that out That was another major evolution or transformation. So I could be up to a version 5.2 or something. Tori Henderson, version 5.2 about. But so it was really interesting to like think about it in these terms and think about how different, like my husband always has said, like, I feel like I've lived many lives and now it makes sense because he's had all these major transformations in who he's become. And to hear my daughter say, like, she thinks she's still on version one, hasn't really transformed at all. And my son said it was his senior year of high school where he really went from like 1.9 to 2.0, that major upgrade of learning, like how to be a confident leader was a huge, big milestone for him. So what version are you on? This is your super mom power boost to go back through your life and look at times where you have made major transformations and see if you can come up with what version of you you are on and then share that with your spouse, with your friends, your siblings, but have the kids nearby so they can hear that this is a normal part of growing up and becoming an adult. And sometimes you go through a transformation when you weren't expecting it and you didn't want it or plan for it. And that's kind of a normal part. So life coaching transforms my clients into new versions of themselves. If this coronavirus is giving you too many bugs in your software and you feel like things aren't working the way they used to, perhaps you're ready to let go of the old version and make room for a significant upgrade in your parenting, in your career, or your relationships. So give me a call. 
Today's quote of the day, the most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of those depths. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Stay healthy and well. Wash your hands. I love you and leave you. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.